So I'm continuing our series, uh, and we're in a series called Signs. Everybody say Signs. 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 And uh, uh, just a little bit of a recap. Sign. A sign is a miracle that teaches us a lesson. The miracle should not only amaze us, but it should also instruct us. And we've been looking at the the eight different miracles found in the book of John as John would, would, uh, would capture these miracles that took place and, and not only call them miracles, but he would call them a sign. And it's simply because the sign is to point to the miracle worker, amen? Yeah. The miracle isn't about the miracle, it's about the miracle worker. Right. I was at a conference earlier this week and I had uh, at one of like the little late night parties, uh, I actually had a conversation with a couple that had, they were a different faith than I have, you know, and uh, just kind of talking about your faith and like what you believe. And I asked them like, doesn't, don't you guys believe in, in the, uh, that Mary is, 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 was a virgin and birthed Jesus? And they're like, yeah, we believe that miracle. And you believe that, you know, Jesus ascended into heaven. Yeah, we believe that miracle. I was like, oh, okay, well then. <laughs> but, but one thing I found, and it really made this series come alive in that moment, was that you can, you can believe in a miracle and they believe that prophets actually were the ones that were behind the miracle. But I'm here to tell you the miracle has a miracle worker. Come on, somebody. It's a sign, and it points to the miracle worker. Amen. So today I'll be talking about the, the feeding of 5,000, when Jesus feeds a multitude of 5,000 people. And it's uh, in the book of John. Today we don't have the notes because I wanted you to take notes. I wanted you to lean in. I wanted you to write the actual notes. <laughs> and if you write, if you take notes... Um, it's just easier to get to heaven. It just, the, it's like the fast pass at Disneyland, <laughs> which now you have to pay more money for. All right, John chapter six says this. It says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already knew what he had in mind of what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, said, here's a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. These, Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Praise God. As much bread as you want. It's always a good day when you go eat Italian and they just keep bringing the bread and butter. Just keep it coming. I want to save money on this entree, so keep the bread coming. Or uh, Cheesecake Factory, I want the chocolate bread. Don't bring me back the cracker, bring me back the dark one. All right, anyway. They ate as much bread as they wanted. It is heaven on earth. They did the same with the fish. And when they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves that left over by those who had eaten. After people saw the sign, everybody say sign. sign. Jesus performed. They began to say, surely this is the prophet who is coming to the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. If you're taking notes today, the title of today's talk is called asking for a miracle, asking for a miracle. We're not just believing that we're gonna learn about miracles, we're gonna believe for God to do a miracle. Come on, in this series, amen. Well, God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is flawless. 
I thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing through the bone marrows of us. And God, that you could speak to us, no matter the, seer, the, the experience, the background, um, our place in life, God, that you could speak directly to our needs. So Holy Spirit, would you use these words uh, and that we would leave here encouraged knowing that much more about you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said a big amen. Amen, amen and amen. The feeding of 5,000. This is a very important miracle. Uh, all the miracles are important. I'm so grateful for Pastor Jabin's sermons. He's been grateful for the last three weeks. I've been so encouraged. Um, this miracle, however, was not just recorded in the book of John. Jesus feeding the multitudes was actually recorded in all four Gospels. And it's so interesting. As I was uh, working on this sermon, I actually was able to see the kind of like the contrast between the different accounts and, and kind of the details that were captured in some more than the others. And we'll look at all the various different accounts found in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But not only is this miracle in all the Gospels, um, the, the miracle had some magnitude to it. Yeah. Scholars would say this was the, the, the largest ministry moment that Jesus ever had. And we say, we see, we see in scripture that it's Jesus feeding 5,000, but the reality is, is that they counted 5,000 men. And so they're counting just the men. They're not counting the households. And so it's really 5,000 households that were represented here. So now we're, let's really paint the picture real quick. We're looking at about 15 to 20,000 people that are hungry and looking for some, some bread. Amen. And I don't mean money bread. I mean, they hungry, hungry. They've been ministering all day. Jesus, uh, imagine coming to church and, and you just sitting in service and we get through the entire sign series, eight different sermons, eight hours, 10 hours later. Man, I would be hungry too. Yeah. <laughs> and so now we're in this predicament where, where we have all these people that are hungry. And, and I, I find something so uh, supernatural about this uh, portion of scripture is, is the, the amount of questions that take place. It lends me to believe that there's something powerful about asking questions. Yeah. You know, we talked about how miracles are designed for us to not only amaze us, but also instruct us. Uh, this uh, math statistician would say this, Edwards Deming, W. Edwards Deming says, without questions, there is no learning. And so if we really want to learn deeply about miracles and how God operates, we must ask questions. I even find that Jesus, you know, in the past few miracles we studied uh, these past few weeks, Jesus took inventory before Jesus performed any miracle, he took some inventory. He said, with the water, where, uh, the water to wine, he said, where are those barrels that we use to wash hands? Yes. When he went to Galilee, uh, he took inventory of the lack of honor that Nazareth has and, and moved past it. Yes. The man that was in the jacuzzi or in the pool that needed a healing, what did Jesus ask him? Do you want to be made well? Yes. Jesus always takes inventory before a miracle. Come on, the feeding of 5,000, he asks, where are we going to get bread? And so we must ask some questions. If you are in need of a miracle, or if you may find yourself in the future in need of a miracle, and I'm here to tell you, you're going to need a miracle. We need miracles. But you want to ask these three important questions. The first question that we must ask ourselves if we're in need of a miracle is, what do I see? What do I see? Repeat after me, say perspective. perspective. We have this scene with three different perspectives. And I really want to break down kind of how... Uh, the people in this scene see the scene. Amen. Yeah. Uh, we have Jesus, we have Philip, and then we have Andrew. Let's start, let's start with Jesus. Jesus sees a crowd, and the other gospels would say, uh, when he saw the crowd, compassion filled his heart because he saw people like sheep without a shepherd. 
Jesus sees people. Let's just say that. I want to encourage you today. I know it's early in the sermon, but Jesus sees you. You are not overlooked by God. He knows the very hairs on your head. He actually knew you before he formed you. And God hasn't overlooked you. And let me encourage you with this. The only thing you need for God to actually look at you is a need. That your need is the qualification for God to come into your life. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you can identify that you, you are in need, I'm, I'm, t- I'm here to tell you good news. Jesus sees you. Amen? So Jesus sees people. And then we have Philip. Oh, Philip. Philip sees a problem. Philip doesn't see people. He sees his bank account. <laughs> he sees what he doesn't have. I think it's funny because Philip, I would say, had the wrong perspective in this moment. He actually layered a problem with another problem. And we could do that oftentimes. When we find ourselves in the natural looking for something uh, supernatural to take place, when something is impossible, I'm here to con- uh, let you know that you don't have to uh, connect the natural to your impossible. Rather, you can connect God to the impossible because with God, come on, all things are possible. Yeah. Amen. But he says, hey, man, Jesus, I ain't got none. Even if I worked like a year's worth of wages, we could get, they wouldn't even get a bite. I ain't got none. I'm broke if I broke. We ain't got it. I'm broke. Okay. But the issue is is that that you see a problem. When you face the impossible, it's a perfect opportunity to get God involved. Jesus sees people. Philip sees a problem. This this idea kind of brought me back to the story where where, uh, there's a story about a blind blind man that Jesus heals, um, blind Bartimaeus. And, uh, and the first time Jesus reveal, moves his hands off his eyes, he actually just says, he's like, he says, I see men like trees walking. He didn't see people clearly. And if you're not okay, your vision will cause you to see people like a means to an end. You know, maybe, maybe you're a business person in here. We aren't to use people. We don't leverage people to get to the next place. He saw people as trees. Maybe he saw a dollar figure on a person, but we don't do that. We don't see people as problems, and we don't see people for a profit. We see people as Jesus sees people. So be careful. When you start seeing people as a problem or a means to an end, that coworker that's just annoying you is not a problem. That frenemy that has a different political persuasion than you have is not the problem. The toddler that's just not growing as fast as you'd like them to Come on, Ruby, you can do it. They ain't the problem. That addicted family member that just doesn't get it, they're not the problem. Man, I am so grateful. Anybody grateful that God didn't see you as a problem or didn't see me as a problem? Oh, no, his amazing grace saved a wretch like me. I don't have it all together, but I'm glad Jesus didn't see my my problems. He He saw me. Pastor Jabin always says Las Vegas is not a problem to be solved. Come on, they are a people to be helped. Amen. So we got Jesus sees people. Philip sees a problem. And then we got Andrew. Oh, Andy. Andy, Andy. What does Andy see? What does Andrew see? He sees a young boy. Andrew sees a person. Kind of has the same kind of perspective that Jesus had. Rather than looking inward like Philip did, Andrew looks outward and, 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 and looks for possibility. So Jesus sees people. Philip sees a problem. Andrew sees a possibility. He sees this young boy. 
And Pastor Jabin says this also. He says, what God's going to do through you or do to you, he's going to do through people. So Andrew sees with possibility. And then I love his tone. Sometimes when you read scripture, you can actually pull tone out of the scripture. Like at face value, most of the time, it's just not like this monotone, like how I, even if I had a, a year's worth of wages, I couldn't have feed this. No, I, I felt the tone of Philip was, even if I didn't have year's worth of wages, bro, pockets ain't empty, cuz. <laughs> but I believe Andrew, when he says, how far will, will this two fish and five loaves go? That he said it with a tone of possibility. Possibility has a tone. That even in, the, in your middle of a need, that you can actually, ha- you could see with possibility. Same situation, different perspective. How you see something can be more important than what you're actually looking at. Your perspective can either reveal a problem or reveal the possibility. Same situation, different perspective. Everybody say perspective. You know, I was working on this sermon, and usually when I'm working on it, like, in the, in the uh, living room, I'm kind of, like, mumbling. I'm just, like, I'm, like, your perspective can either reveal the problem. And literally, I got to that part, and Ruby was, like, Papa, what'd you say? I was, like, no, I'm just working on it. Like, no, what'd you say? I said, your perspective can either reveal the problem or the possibility. She's, like, oh. And she was, like, what does that mean? Literally, I'm, like, working on this. I'm, like, all right, let's, all right, God, give me the grace. I'm going to save my child. No, I see Ruby's dress just like hanging on the, in, on the couch because her clothes are everywhere. Um, but I'm like, Ruby, what do you see right there? She's like, that's, that's a dress. I was like, no, look again. What do you see? She says, that's my dress. I was like, that's right. This is, this is a symbol of God's provision over your life. And she said, that'll preach, Papa. <laughs> How you look at something is more important than what you're actually looking at. A lot of people who have, before they've come to City Light, they would drive by on Warm Springs and they would say, oh, I thought that was a place that sold ceiling fans and light fixtures. <laughs> but I want to tell you that this box is not just a little box of concrete and walls. No, we turn this place into a food bank on a Saturday, feeding families on a Sunday. It becomes a house of miracles. Come on, somebody. It's how you see. James chapter one, verse two, it says, consider it. Pure joy. In other words, make the decision to see it with joy. Brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I don't know if it's a two-week notice at your job to be laid off of work, or if it's a doctor note that doesn't look good, or a relationship that ended, or if it's just, just based off of where the economy feels like it's headed. I'm here to tell you, when it's tough, you could show your teeth. When it's hard, you could still be happy. Because what God's doing in me is greater than what's happening to me. Come on. He that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. Amen. Every obstacle presents an opportunity for God to move. So look for the possibility in your problem. And the reason why for this is because we need to get to a place of identifying a need or a problem to get to a place of possibility to get to the place of expectation. It is only by possibility can we see with expectation. And expectation is the breeding ground for the miraculous. This is why Jesus didn't perform miracles in his hometown. It was because of their lack of expectation. They, tra- they treat it as casual. Don't treat your problem casually. See it with possibility yeah, yeah. and therefore get to the places of ex- expectation. Yeah. 
and look for the possibility. Amen? Amen. Number two, the second question we must ask ourselves is, what do I have? What do I have? Repeat after me, say possession. Possession. So funny. Jesus truly is a boss. Amen. Amen. You know, he rolls up to this scene, and the other gospels actually record this moment. And, uh, uh, he, you know, the disciples are like, hey, send the people away. Let them go to town square. They can go to downtown Summerlin and get them something to eat. And I can only imagine everybody's just hungry. When you're hungry, you just get angry. It's funny that, like, you know, like when, when things are, an urgency is needed, the, really, your true self comes out. I don't know if you've ever put together furniture with your wife, especially if the furniture is from Ikea. Don't do that to yourself. Omar with a drill bit is a, a bad day. It's so funny how like literally the mood can change like when, when like urgency comes into place. Like, uh, you know, getting ready to leave the house. Usually we, we margin time, you know, get out of the house. I only have one kid, so it's okay. You know, I have grace for people that have more than one kid. I'm like, my goodness, I don't know yet. <laughs> All right, it's time to go. Where are the keys? Babe, you had the keys last. No, no, no. <laughs> You had the keys last. I t- every time. It truly reveals, doesn't it? But I love this. The d- disciples are like, you know, uh, let the people go away. Jesus is like, they don't need to go away. You feed them. You feed them. Wait, I'm not the bread of life, cuz. Usually you're the bread of life. Jesus says, you feed them. Usually... If I'm looking for God to do something, he's looking for me to give something. Wait, Omar, I'm in need of a miracle. Omar, I'm the one who needs the healing. No, I'm the one who needs the financial breakthrough. I'm the one who needs their marriage restored. Me, give something? I'm so sorry to tell you, but that's just the way the kingdom works. This is how it works. When we find ourselves in a time of need or need of a miracle, maybe God's asking that you have something to give. God performs miracles. However, the pathway of a miracle is found in your perspective and in what you possess. John chapter 12, story of Jesus uh, walking into a home and you have Mary and Martha, you know, uh, siblings of of Lazarus who he raised from the dead. And then there's this like audacious scene where, where, where Mary is washing the feet of Jesus with a very expensive fragrance and her hair. Like back in those days, you don't, you don't show your hair. But she takes out her hair and she washes his feet. And there's so much there, but, 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 but scholars would say that's about a year's worth of wages that, they, that she had to her possession for the feet uh, to wash Jesus. And, and if you didn't know this, there, there was typically in, in nice homes or in mansions um, a place where you would get your feet washed before you entered the home. And the person that would wash your feet would be the lowest of the lowest servants. But yet Jesus calls this worship. But yet the Bible says that this actually anointed Jesus. And yet people, you know, you had Judas there like saying, oh my gosh, how is she going to waste it? I'm here to tell you, whatever you give to God is never wasted. If it's significant or insignificant, you can give it to God. Come on. And he can break it and multiply it. What do you see? What do you see? Notice this. This is, this is a, 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 a awesome observation. Jesus asked for bread. He never asked for fish. It was, in, it was in their looking for bread that they also found something else that they had. There's something to say here, that when, when, when there's a time and season for you to give something, 
there's probably something more that you have. You can thank God for what you do have. You don't have to wait for the miracle. I got something already. His provision has already taken place. So we can praise God for what you already have. Jesus didn't ask for fish, but he got some fish. Nice little Lunchable. (laughs) Philip, let's go back to Philip, focuses on what he does not have. I don't have, we don't even have enough, even if we did work. Tone. He had a, he had a, 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 lack, a lack mentality where, where he would say, I'm broke, essentially. I want to encourage you, take that out of your vocabulary. Stop saying you're broke. You're not broke. That, that mentality of lack, that's not on the believer. The mamba mentality would say, I'm being faithful with the little right now. And so you have something to give. Shout out to mamba. That flew over the heads. I'm here to reach the young people. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) So Philip focuses on what he does not have. This young boy, I begin begin to read this story differently like I was the young boy. Because I believe we all find ourselves in this place where you actually have what you need. The young boy, was if he was hungry, he had food for himself. He's like, bro, I came prepared. I don't know about y'all. This is my lunch that my mama packed me. How funny was it when in school you would just study each other's lunches? Like, oh, what'd you get? But this young boy had two fish, five loaves, and John is the only one that catches this detail. He catches the detail when, when the alarm sounds off, and, uh, <laughs> and he's the only one that catches the detail of this young boy. Every other gospel just says, there was just two bread and five loaves. I used to, used to read scripture. And I was like, oh, they just reach in their pockets like those cartoons. And they're like, what do we have? We have, all right, two fish. All right, let's scrap them together. Let's put them. But no, this boy, this, this was a boy who actually had what they used to multiply. Um, this was a lot to this boy. The scholars would say that it, it's actually very, uh, uh, it, the amount was kind of equated to like the fragrance and in the moment because everybody was so hungry and he actually had food. What are you keeping back that God's calling you to give? Are not enough becomes more than enough in the hands of Jesus. Little becomes much in the hands of Jesus. You know, um, Andrew doesn't get that much credit, but all throughout scripture, you'll see Andrew bringing people to Jesus. He brings uh, Simon Peter. He brings uh, the brother of, of Peter and, and, and he, he, he doesn't really get that much credit but then now he brings this little boy. He always saw people, and I love this about Andrew, but I want to encourage you, what may seem insignificant can become invaluable when you bring it to Jesus. To the disciples, that's just two fish, five loaves. You know, Andrew, like, how are we going to make this feed everybody? This reminds me of a story in Exodus. Exodus 3, God's giving Moses uh, an instruction in, in Exodus 3. And then he's also giving him the outcome. If, we, if you do this, this is going to happen. And then in, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, Moses replies to this instruction and says, what if they don't believe me or listen to what I have to say? What if they say, the Lord didn't appear to you, but then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? Moses says, a staff. He replied, the Lord said, throw it to the ground. Use what's in your hand. Maybe a better question than you know, what is it that I have? Maybe the better question is, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Everybody say possession. Possession. JR, let me see that. When When I got saved, 
I didn't have much. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't know the songs that, we, that was sung on the weekends. I didn't have prayers memorized. I had nothing. But what I did have was this. I had a camera. And I think similarly to Moses, I, I, I felt God just say, use what's in your hand. What do you have, Omar? I got this camera, God. Take pictures. Capture video. Just be faithful with this. If, if you're in this place, and I, I would argue that you came to City Light, and you probably saw either an image or a video before you actually came. And so what God actually used with a camera, he's actually turned it into a microphone and got the message of the gospel out. And he began to raise young photographers in the house of God. And people will be able to use their gifts, talents, and abilities. What do you have? What's in your hand? You know, it might be a forearm that you can use to carry a baby in early childhood. Maybe you got two hours on a Sunday to help people find a parking spot or help people find a seat in a church. Maybe you used to play drums when you were younger. Join the worship team. I have found, though, the only thing that God won't accept is my voice. <laughs> He's like, bro, I can't do nothing about that. I'm glad the music is loud enough that when I sing and I hear a crack, I'm like, okay, that's why I'm not up there. Thank you, JR. Thank you, JR and the team. But sometimes it may feel unseen or insignificant. So many times I was just behind the camera, just making, making the man of God look good, making the team look good. But God would begin to, to, to do a work in my life. And, and, and usually when you give God the thing that's in your hand, he will actually give you the authority to be over that thing. And you begin to see your life and back and be like, whoa, how did this even happen? It all started with what was in my hand. Could it be that God's asking you to be the miracle for someone else while you wait for your miracle? Jesus takes this. He, he breaks it. He, he, he thanks God for it. And then he gives it back to the disciples. Don't miss this detail. The miracle did not happen in the hands of Jesus. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. It's cool to witness a miracle. It's really cool to see a miracle happen. It probably was really cool to receive that miracle, but I think it was even better to be a part of the miracle. And God's looking for people to come apart and do the things that he's called us to do and be a part of the miracle. Amen. And then they had 12 baskets left over. You know how many disciples there are? I don't even have to preach that. There's always enough. It'll never run out. When you give God your natural, he will make it supernatural. Amen? Amen. Number three, as the keys come up. Number three, what has he done? What do you see? What do you have? What has he done? Repeat after me. Say recollection. Recollection. I've been following Jesus for about 10 years, you know, faithfully serving, being a part of the house, kind of doing what all, anything that is needed to be done, God use me. I preached this a couple uh, weeks ago. God use me. And as I begin a journey with Christ, I begin to, to, to observe families and, and people walk away, we, you know, take a break from church, come back, move, do, and kind of find themselves outside of church. And I, and I used to think it was just like, I don't know, maybe you know, something happened in their life, you know, or a change, maybe something bad happened, maybe something really good happened, and that's what caused them to walk away. And I really believe I can, if, if I can attribute one thing to me observing people walk away from the faith or even uh, step back from going to church, it was this, that they just simply forgot what God has already done in their life. We have a tendency to forget the things we need to remember 
but we remember the things that we need to forget. It's like spiritual amnesia. We have the tendency to forget things we need to remember, but remember the things we need to forget. Reminds me of like that movie, the Pixar movie Up. Where's that dog? He'll be locked in. Squirrel. Man, I'm locked in on serving God. Career change. Man, I'm locked in. I'm serving in God's house. Relationship. I'm locked in. I'm serving God. Oh, hard times. Squirrel. If the enemy can get your memory, he's got you. Has God done anything in your life? Has he brought you through anything? Has he provided in a supernatural way? Has he saved you from your sin? This question is so, so important. And I don't know if, if, if it's all that much, but I really do think there's something powerful here. What if your memory was connected to your miracle? You know, in the book of Mark, after, the, after you would read the, the, the feeding of 5,000, and if you have any, you know, morning Devo time, shortly after that in the book of Mark, you'll find that Jesus fed 4,000. And you like read it and you're like, wait a second, I read that yesterday. Oh no, it's, it's, it's a different story. But it's literally like deja vu when you read it. It's like, disciples, did you forget what Jesus just did? Where were the, where the baskets that, were, that we had the leftovers? Wait, wait, how have we forgotten that Jesus just did the miracle, bro? 4,000, and we could say that was about 10, 12,000. It's actually, maybe they didn't even need as much as a miracle than they had before. And, and like you read that and they're like, where are we, you know, he's like, where are we gonna get bread? I don't know, Jesus, I ain't got nothing. It's like, bro, spiritual amnesia. I love that it says Jesus, you know, when he asked Philip, where are we going to get bread? It says Jesus asked us to test his faith because he already knew what he was going to do. Have faith for this. Have faith that God has a plan. Have faith to know that they ate as much as they wanted. Have faith to know that there was 12 baskets left over. But I don't want to put this on you. It actually isn't our ability to remember. This isn't, uh, this isn't me saying you need to remember more. No, this is super powerful. And as I wrap, wrap this up, it is not our ability to remember. It's actually God's ability. Check this out. Jesus in John chapter 14 tells the disciples, it's better that I leave because the Holy Spirit's going to come, the helper. And for the first time in City Light history, I'm going to read a King James version. 1426, but the comforter who is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And check this, bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, Omar, what do I do when I forget? Omar, what do I do when I'm in a time of need? Omar, what do I do if I need a miracle? You pray to the Holy Spirit and you ask him to reveal and remind and recur. Someone last service was like, this faith walk is like your credit card on reoccurring. God's always doing a work. You know, a few years ago, it was 2019, my mom, it was a random Saturday, you know, afternoon in my house, chilling, watching TV. The new Obi-Wan, just kidding. And she calls me and she says, hey, Omar, random. 
I just came back from uh, getting some tests and I tested for breast cancer. I said, wait, wait, what? Mama? You're an Alta Cora. You don't get breast cancer. I serve God. You don't get sick. I'm, I'm, I'm a good boy. My mom doesn't, my family isn't the one to, and I really, it just, it broke me down. It was so, it challenged me so much. I was, I was reminded years before that, about 10 years before my mom told me she had breast cancer, her sister actually had leukemia. And it was a battle, man, like shave the head, traveling to LA from the Philippines back and forth. And by the grace of God, uh, back then, my mom was actually the matching bone marrow uh, for, my, for her sister. And I could say today, Auntie Pia, Tita Pia, is healed, and she has no, no more cancer. But it got me thinking, if God get, did it then, come on, he could do it again. He could do it again. If he healed you then, he can do it again. And maybe he didn't heal you, but he healed them. If he healed them, he can do it again. Amen. Amen. So let's not forget to remember. Amen. In Jesus' name. Did you get a word today? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You would bow your heads in this place. Maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when you call upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved. And, and he promises the seal, what he calls, the seal of your faith is the Holy Spirit. I want to give anybody in this room the opportunity or maybe watching online or at one of our correction facilities to receive Jesus as their own personal Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit. So if everyone would repeat this prayer after me, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my future. I believe you died and rose again. So I put my faith in you. I trust you with the forgiveness of my sin, past, present, and future. Holy Spirit, come on in. Change me, lead me, guide me, and remind me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for those that just made that decision.